Welcome to Sound Thoughts on Art, a podcast from the National Gallery of Art. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Art can engage all of our senses. We hear music, we see a photo, we walk around a sculpture, we taste fine food. Standing close to a favorite painting, we can even smell the wood or oil paint. But it's when our senses work together that things get really interesting. When we listen, what do we see in our mind's eye? When we stand in front of a painting, what do we hear? This podcast lives in that convergence. In every episode, you'll learn about a work in the National Gallery's collection from someone who knows the art and its context. You'll also hear a musician respond to that work through sound, creating a dialogue between the visual art and music. Sound Thoughts on Art tells the stories of how we experience art and how it connects us. You can almost feel the heat radiating off of Roy de Carava's photograph titled David. If you have sweat through the summer months in a big city, you know the feeling. You can see ripples of heat coming up from the pavement, feel the perspiration beating on your forehead and slipping down the nape of your neck. The titular David in this photograph is a young black boy, maybe seven years old. He's leaning against a telephone pole. His brow is furrowed and sweaty. He wears a tropical print linen shirt that's held in place by one button, the collar askew, and his midriff peeking out. Though the photo was taken in the Harlem of the mid-20th century, David could just as easily be living there in 2021. The timelessness of this photograph spoke to jazz bassist Christian McBride, who knows the experience of summertime in New York City very well. And it's somehow both a universal experience, we can all feel that heat, and a deeply personal one. So much so that when we asked him to respond to this photograph in music, he felt his only option was to improvise a response. I see a young man asking questions. I I, I see a young black boy uh, in an urban setting asking questions. Who are you? What is this? Why is this? Where am I going? Where are you going? Where did you just come from? You know, why are you why are you taking a picture of me? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, I, I kind of see all of that in David's face. It's kind of hot in the picture, right? Like you can tell it's summer. And there's a particular heat to New York City in the summer, right? Well, you know, that again, that's, that's, that's the other thing that really sort of... Uh, spoke to me in this picture because you know even though that photo was taken I'm, I'm assuming it was taken somewhere in Harlem you know that could have been it could have been Philadelphia it could have been Detroit could have been Chicago could have been Oakland you know there's just a certain that summertime you know kids playing at the fire hydrant kind of thing you know I wonder what you make of Decarava's focus on Harlem. I mean, it's this photo in particular is 30 years after what we would think of as the beginning of the Harlem Renaissance. But what do you think not only drew him to Harlem, but kept him going back? Well, I, that, that was his home. He, he was from Harlem. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was always the cradle of black culture. You know, so much of what was so meaningful and impactful in in Black America for for so many years was right there in Harlem. So uh, I think he understood that uh, 
there's so much soul there's so much uh there's so much reverberation of 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 creativity here in harlem i i can understand why he would you know why he would focus on harlem uh i think if i were growing up in harlem at that time i surely would be <laughs> i i like to think i'd be taking a lot of pictures and and it, I would rarely go below 110th Street. For more on Roy DeCarava, we turn to a familiar voice, Sarah Greeno, a senior curator at the gallery and the head of the Department of Photographs. So let's talk about this picture and mm-hmm. this child. Um, and I wonder, what is it about this photo in particular that kind of grabs you? Why is it so interesting? Um, that, that's another very good question. This picture comes from a book of photographs that DiCarava published in 1955 called The Sweet Flypaper of Life. A wonderful title for a book. Uh, and it was one that he published with, um, the very well-known poet Langston Hughes. He met Langston Hughes, showed him his pictures, and Langston Hughes immediately wanted to collaborate with him on this book. The little boy that we see in this picture, um, whose name is David, is one of the people mentioned um, in the book. And I think one of de Carava's extraordinary um, accomplishments was to show the poverty of Harlem, um, to show that, you know, that there were little boys like David who, who were sad, who didn't have the adult supervision, perhaps, um, that, that they needed, um, but still to show their life, their integrity, their, their humanity. And I think the thing that gets us about this picture De Carava hasn't captured him running down the street or, you know, skipping, doing any of the sort of normal things we might think of a child that age doing. He's standing there, his arms are behind his back, and he's staring out at us. It's a very still picture, like a lot of De Carava's photographs. And I think that that stillness stops us. And it draws us to look at this little boy more carefully. And we see that his gaze is directly at DiCarava and thus sort of also directly at us. But he seems at the same time to be looking sort of past us, but perhaps also into himself. And it just makes it an extraordinarily compelling picture, I think. African-Americans had, had of course, been depicted in photography before, but mainly photographed by white artists. Dicarava was an African-American photographing from the inside, um, and he showed the extraordinary strength and dignity that he saw in his friends around him. Um, he made pictures that are filled with love. At the same time, they're not, you know, they're not sentimental. He made photographs of Harlem in the late 1940s, early 50s that were unlike anything that photography had seen before. You know, you you look at this uh, photo of this kid. I don't know how old do you think he is? Eight. That's a good. Yeah, I, I would I would guess that somewhere between 
seven and seven and nine. <laughs> so in in 1952, he was let's say he was seven. I mean, ten years later, the civil rights era is going to explode. You know, it's interesting to me to look at the photo like this. And Roy DeCarava did not want to create a documentary, but in a way, he did document. Like that's where the insight comes from, in a way. Well, you know, I, I, when when you when you capture a moment. Um, sometimes, well, I think most of the time you cannot control what people, how people are touched by it. Um, you can't control what emotions might arise in a person when they experience your work. You know, um, I'm sure that a lot of artists, you know, have certain breakthrough uh, projects or or what, whatever it may be, and they're just as surprised as uh, everyone else. Like, wow, I didn't think that was going to make such an impact. So uh, I understand what he was, you know, he, he made it very clear. I'm not looking to do this, but, uh, you know, when, when you grab a snapshot of uh, a young child from a certain period, obviously, uh, if you're interested enough, you're going to go down that rabbit hole you know, and and you're going to feel certain things. You're going to start to write your own story. Do you think it could have been a kid of another race? Is Do you see this photo as being particularly a photo of an African-American boy? That's a very good question. Um, I I think probably the, the, the biggest thing that spoke to me is uh, the childlike innocence, the, the childlike curiosity. Uh, could it have been a non-African-American child? Absolutely. I'm not sure what that would make me think of musically, but um, young David being a African-American child, I've been him. You know, I, I, I hope that some of David is still in me. When I first saw it, there was a part of me that uh, I was like, hmm, I'm feeling something here. You know, I, I like David, you know, and in each successive time I came back to it, it I just kept feeling more and more and more and more. So uh, each time I go and look at that photo, I, it just seems to touch me deeper than it did the previous time I saw it. Well, let's hear how it moves you musically, if you don't mind. I would be honored to do that.
Oh, man. All right. You have to tell me about some of the magic. <laughs> you got to pull back the curtain here. Um, so, uh, when I first – so when I'm thinking about it, he's he's kind of checking me out. You know, he's kind of like, who's this guy? Yeah, those bent notes sound like questions. Yeah, why is he talking to me? Yeah. I'm not sure if you're a nice guy or not. You might be trying to hurt me, but I don't really know. holding back from you and then all of a sudden he's like okay you might not be that bad I think I'll talk to you <laughs> and we get the walking base which makes it feel like you're moving right yeah exactly yeah he's, he's he's feeling a little warmer around me now you know like okay okay you're a nice guy I trust you okay let's play accompany him to the fire hydrant we're getting splashed and he's telling me all about his day and he's calling his friends over and they grabbing the stick so we can get ready to play some stick ball he's telling me all about how much he loves Jackie Robinson and Nat King Cole's his favorite singer So we wind up becoming friends in the end. It sounds, but by the part where you guys start moving around and I can almost feel him skipping. Right. Exactly. How do you get that? Like, this is a kid. Like, there's no mistaking it. This is a child. Right. How do you, how do you do that? Well, you know, the, the walking baseline conjures up that feeling of, you know, somebody walking, you know? Yeah. But I think when you put the little slap in there, you know. Yeah, that's the skip. Yeah, it's like, that's like an extra happy walk. Yeah, so he ends pretty happy by the end. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're besties by the end. Yeah, maybe you get some ice cream. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. When I look not just at this picture, which makes me, I look at it, I can, and I can kind of hear the sounds of the street, right? They, I can, I know what it sounds like on that corner. When I went to look at other De Carava pictures, I had the same sort of experience, right? Like there was implied sound. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because I know he was so connected to music <laughs> or because he's so connected to music that he created his photos to imply an aural landscape mm, as well mm-hmm. as a visual one. What do you think? I think that, you know, that's entirely possible that after he he finished the sweet flypaper of life, his next sort of most important series of photographs was called The Sound I Saw, which was a, a series of photographs that he made from the mid 19 50s into the 1960s of jazz musicians. Um, I mean, he photographed many of the leading jazz legends of that time, Ar- Arnett Coleman, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, Billie Holiday. Um, he was 
deeply connected, um, uh, you know, to to that sound. Um, he even apparently was so fascinated with Coltrane that he would follow him up and down um, the Northeast, going to to all of his his performances. You know, it's that sense of sort of give and take, um, and and responding to the world around you, um, but also just you know the rich tonality and that unadulterated expression of, of you know, of, of feeling, as, as well as throwing over all the traditional sort of rules um, of whether it's music with the jazz musicians or, in De Carava's case, you know, abandoning posing and clarity and, and not caring at all about, about getting a, you know, a full tonal range in his pictures, but instead exploring some tones, um, particularly blackness and gray. Many of the people in, that you see in the sweet flypaper of life, you see them hugging or interacting with one another, another, and you get sort of a sense of movement. And with that movement, you also have a feeling that there's some sound in the background that's propelling them to embrace one another as, as, as closely as they are or to be swaying um, in the way that, 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 that they do. So, I th- you know, I think that there are, are many ways you can imply sound is doing something very different, more subtle, more more complex, I think. And it is something that I think is, is magnetic. Would you want to meet the real-life David if he were still kicking? Are you kidding? Absolutely. He'd be in his 70s or 80s, yeah. Close to 80 now, right? Yeah. Yeah, what would I say to him? Did you know you would touch so many people? Because I, I have a strong feeling, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that has felt that way when they saw that photo, you know. I was going to, you know, I would ask him, you know, how, how does it feel to be such a, uh, a legend, you know, being a, a, a lightning rod for such uh, artistic expression for, for so many people, you know. What's your life been like? You know, what'd you do in the, in the 60s and 70s and... What was it like when people found out, when your friends found out that you had become the, uh, the, the subject of a legendary photo? Yeah, I, I, would, I would just, I would want to know what his life has been like. Thanks again to Christian McBride for joining us. You can find more information about everything in today's episode on the National Gallery's website, nga.gov podcast. And on that note, this is the final episode of Sound Thoughts on Art's first season. So on behalf of the National Gallery of Art, thank you so much for listening. 
Sound Thoughts on Art will be back later this year with season two. In the meantime, we invite you to sign up for the National Gallery's e-newsletter. Once you've subscribed, you'll get information about Season 2 delivered straight to your inbox. And you'll also be among the first to see online features, programs, and other gallery announcements. To sign up for the e-newsletter, go to nga.gov slash subscribe. Oh, and in case you missed it, the National Gallery's West Building has reopened to the public. You can find out more on how to visit at nga.gov. Sound Thoughts on Art is a production of the National Gallery of Art's Music Department. The show is created by Danielle Deswert-Hahn, the National Gallery's Head of Music Programs, and mixed and produced by Maura Curry. You can find more information about everything in today's episode at the National Gallery's website, nga.gov podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Thoughts on Art, we would love for you to subscribe. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening. I'm Celeste Headley. Until next time, be well.